Proverbs chapter number 3. And I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight on the direction of the Lord. You know, we in and of ourselves don't have any wisdom. The Word of God says, when the world by wisdom knew not God. Well, why did the world by wisdom not know God? Because we in and of ourselves don't have any wisdom. And so if we're going to have any wisdom, we've got to get it at the hand of the Lord. Now, all of us need wisdom. Uh, wisdom is, uh, the right kind of wisdom is from above. It's pure and it's heavenly. And uh, it glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. And it accomplishes the work of God and it discovers the will of God for our lives. So oftentimes I think we are guilty of doing the very opposite of what the Word of God tells us tonight in Proverbs chapter number 3. We lean unto our own understanding. And we're going to say a word about what that means here in a moment, but... I think we're all guilty of that. You hear people say all the time, well, just do what you know best. Well, the problem is what we know best isn't sufficient. In other words, you doing it your way is always insufficient. Me doing it my way is always insufficient. We'll never find the will of God doing it our way. And we'll never accomplish the work of God doing it our way. We'll only be happy if we learn to do it God's way. Now, that's a truth that the world does not grasp. And it's sad to say, but I think it's a truth that a lot, of, a lot of Christians don't grasp in this day that we live in. You say, well, preacher, why would you make that statement? Because so few Christians are living in the will of God and according to the wisdom of God. Uh, very few Christians read their Bible. Now, you're not going to know much of the wisdom of God if you don't read the Bible. Very few Christians pray in the day that we live in. I mean, they may pray over their food. They may pray in public if they're asked. They may uh, pray occasionally uh, when they're in trouble, but they don't have a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, you're not going to have much of the wisdom of God. You've got to be in touch with Him that has the wisdom to gain the wisdom of God. And so tonight I want us to take a few moments and just look at some very familiar passages of Scripture and this is the question I want you to ask yourself. I, I suppose I don't always say this or present this to you in this way, but, you know, every sermon ought to, ought to bring about a question to us. And there's a question I want you to ask yourself tonight, and this is the question, am I seeking God in my life every day? Am I seeking God in my life every day? I believe in the book of Proverbs we have how we can do that. Let's read, we'll begin at verse number 1, and, and I want to read down to verse 10 just because I like it so well, amen, but we're only going to be preaching from verses 5 and 6 tonight, I suppose. The Word of God says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust not, or trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now I want you to scoop back and look at verses 5 and 6 again. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. 
in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my heart and life. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for directing me and guiding me. Thank you for putting me where I am tonight. Lord, I wouldn't be here if you hadn't put me here. Lord, I pray this evening, as I'm here by divine appointment, and so is each and every person here, I pray that you'd help us now to have our hearts open to your word and the preaching of it. Lord, that our hearts would be surrendered and our lives would be surrendered to you. Now, Lord, help us to do business, to be serious about these next few moments, that we might glorify you in the way that we live and in the way that we act. We'll ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the book of Proverbs is a fascinating book. It is essentially a collection of sayings, of maxims, of of little bits of wisdom that were pinned down primarily by Solomon. And as you look at the structure of the book of Proverbs and begin to see the different themes throughout it, you come to chapter 3, you'll find that chapter 3 divides itself into three different portions. At every tenth verse, uh, for the first 30 verses or so, you're going to find a phrase that's used. In verse number 1, it says, My son, forget not my law. Verse number 11 says, My son, despise not the chastening, of the Lord. Verse 21 says, My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. This is parental wisdom as much as it is divine wisdom. You know, uh, the Lord was awful good to you and I when He gave us parents. Now, your parents may not have been everything that they ought to be, and I won't make a comment about mine. But certainly, the Lord has given us parents in our life to give us wisdom. But you know, the parental relationship between parents and children is not the primary, but it is the secondary. It is merely a reflection of the relationship that the Lord God Almighty seeks to have with His children. Now, I'm not going to get into a deep uh, theological debate and discussion, but let me just say this, that, that the way that parents treat their kids ought to, ought to correlate pretty closely to the way that God treats us. I'm thankful the Lord's merciful to us, aren't you? And I think his parents will try to be merciful. By the same token, I'm thankful that the Lord does not excuse sin in our lives. He may pardon, he may forgive it, but he does not excuse it in our lives. We don't need the Lord to excuse sin in our lives because sin will not make excuses for us. Sin will do everything it can to destroy us. In the same way, I think parents ought to have that attitude towards their children. And so the admonition, really all throughout the book of Proverbs, is, is summed up in this phrase, my son. And as you look at these three uh, portions of the book of Proverbs chapter 3, when you consider the first ten verses, you'll find basically five things dealt with. And this isn't my message tonight, but you'll find the first two verses deal with honoring the Lord in the Word of God. It says uh, to keep the law and to let your heart keep His commandments. Verses 3 and 4 deal with honoring the Lord with our walk. It says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Verses 5 and 6 that we're going to look at tonight deals with the will of God. How to get the mind of God about something. Uh, Verses 7 and 8 deal with wisdom or what kind of wisdom we look to. It says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Or you might say it deals with humility. Uh, Verse uh, number 9 and 10 deal with our wealth and how we honor God with our physical means, with our prosperity. And there in the heart of these ten verses, 
we find probably two of the greatest verses in your entire Bible. Uh, these are the kind of verses that seniors pick out for their life verse. I went to a Christian school, and you could tell which seniors read their Bible and which didn't. I think my wife had, had uh, the book of Joshua, chapter number 1, and, and uh, I, I believe it was verses 8 and 9. I believe she's looking at me funny. I might be wrong. I don't know. I might not even went to school with her. I don't know right now the way she looked at me. But you could tell she read her Bible. The rest of us, we had things like John 3.16. <laughs> Amen. But uh, go, going to a Christian school, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are the kind of verses that that are so prominent, seniors would write them down oftentimes as their live verses. They're some of the first verses many times that children learn in Sunday school. They're often the theme of at least one night of a vacation Bible school curriculum, speaking of VBS as we were tonight. But I think that there is a great danger in memorizing uh, but not applying Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do you understand that these two little verses can revolutionize your life? If you follow these two little verses, they're going to change the way you approach everything because the writer of Proverbs uses the term in all thy ways. Literally, there is not an area of your life to which you cannot apply these two little verses. And yet I find that very few Christians seem to use this as the prescription or formula in making decisions. Now, I don't know if you know this, but decisions are something we all make. Did you know that? You made some decisions this morning. Uh, you got up and got dressed. I won't make a commentary about your decisions, and you don't make one about my decisions. Amen? Uh, when it comes to how we dress this morning. But uh, you made decisions when you got dressed. You made decisions when you uh, made breakfast. You made decisions when you left the house and... In fact, as you sit there right now in the pew, you're making decisions. You're deciding what you're going to listen to, whether you're going to listen to it. You may, if you're like a lot of Baptists, be deciding what you're going to eat tonight when you get out of church. So this touches every single area of our life. And if we're going to do things in the way God would have us to do them, then this formula must be applied to our every decision. Now, I'm not perfect. I don't know about you, but I'm not. And I fail in my life often to use this formula. But I do believe that I would be the better for it, and I believe you would too. And I want us to take a few moments this evening, and I want us to look at four things that we have in these two verses that I believe are vital to our decision-making. Look first off at verse number 5. Look at the very first word that's used in verse number 5. The Bible says trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine now, if it wasn't a Wednesday night, and if I was preaching in front of, a, uh, you know, 500 people and a bunch of lost folks, I'd spend some time talking about the need to trust the Lord for salvation. And certainly, that is the first wise decision that anybody will ever make in their life, if they ever make one, will be to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to save their soul. But I don't believe it's necessarily directed this evening to lost individuals. This is addressed this evening to those that have a family relationship with the God of heaven. And so the first thing, if we're ever going to find the will of God and do the things of God, that we must do is there must be a dependence upon the Lord. We've got to quit trusting in ourselves and start trusting in Him. Can I ask you something tonight? Do you trust God? 
Now, that's easy to answer very quickly because we all know the right answer. In fact, if you've never seen a Bible before and never heard the name Jesus Christ before, just in the few moments we've been in the service tonight, you could pick up that the right answer would be, yes, I trust the Lord. But really ask yourself that question. Do I trust God? Not, am I trusting God? But do I trust God? We'll say in a moment about trusting Him perpetually. But I'd just like for you to examine that for a moment. Not am I trusting, but do I trust God? Do I believe God is trustworthy? Do I believe that He's capable of handling my problems? Do I believe that He's capable of saving my family members and my children? Do I believe that He's capable of meeting my needs, be they physical or spiritual or otherwise? Do I believe that God is able to accept and, and to... Uh, to sustain and to do well with what I trust and commit unto Him. Do you believe that this evening? Do you believe that God is able to do more with your life than you can? Now, don't answer that too quickly, else we'd be hypocrites. If we really believe that, it's going to change the way that we act and the way that we live. If I really believe that God can do better with my life than I can, then I'm going to give my life to Him. Do I really trust what God says to me? Well, and then there's the element of am I trusting? We're a little bit more comfortable with that because when we say do I trust, it's either do I or don't I. But when we say am I trusting, we can sort of ride the fence and say, well, sometimes. But the truth of the matter is, if we have to say sometimes about am I trusting, then we have to unequivocally say no to the answer, uh, to answer the question, do I trust Him? The truth of the matter is, if we don't trust Him all the time, then we don't really, really trust Him. And you say, preacher, that's, that, that's awful hard. That, that's awful cut and dry. Well, I'm aware it is. But it's true for me just like it's true for you. I know there's times I trust Him more and times that I trust Him less. But the times I trust Him less, it's because I feel like I really can't trust Him. You see, that's the wickedness and pride of the human heart, is to think that we could do anything better than the God of all creation. The fact of the matter is, it is nothing short of, of the highest form of insurrection and treason to claim that we can do better with anything than God can. In fact, isn't that what Satan was saying when he said, I'll ascend up into the heavens? He said, let me, give a, let, let me take a crack at being God. I think I can do it a little bit better than you. And really, when we take decisions into our own hands, when we do not trust the Lord and depend upon Him for wisdom and guidance, what we're really saying is, Lord, let me take a crack at being God. I believe I can do a little bit better than you can. I think there's probably three ways, and, and I can tell we're all having fun tonight, right? So alliteration is probably a moot point at this time. But let me give you three things, and I've not got subpoints for all of them, but I do for this one. Three things that we ought to depend upon the Lord. And I think first off we ought to depend upon His Word. I think the Word of God is trustworthy. I think it's evidenced by the fact that it's still around. People have been saying for thousands of years that there's mistakes in the Word of God. But they've never been able to find any of them. Because if they could, you'd know about them and I would too. And everybody would. And that'd be the reason. They'd outlaw this book and they'd burn every copy they could find of it and they'd destroy it. And they'd say, these are the reasons, because these are the mistakes, and these are the errors, and these are the contradictions. And they'd teach them in public schools. You, you don't think they would, huh? They'd teach them in public schools. I, I promise you, if they could ever find contradictions in the Word of God, the very next semester it would make it into the curriculum. But they can't find them. 
I think the fact that it's still around means that it's trustworthy. But I think also what it's done in my life, to me personally, tells me that the Word of God is trustworthy. I can never point to a single time when the Word of God has been wrong about anything. Not a single time. There's no point in which I can point to the Word of God and say, you know, God, you said this, but my experience has been that it is not so. But here's the question. Do we really depend on God's Word? Now, before you answer that, let me make this statement. That if you don't read it, you don't depend on it. You either value your life so little that you'd throw it away, or you don't really depend on it. You don't really trust it. Now, I promise you, this isn't a whole evening of me griping at you. But I do believe it's worth considering that for those of us that claim this book is the rule and law of our life when we read so little of it, that tells us that we either have a very low opinion of this book or a very low value to our life. The truth of the matter is, if we really trust the Lord, we're going to trust His Word because His Word is the means through which He's communicated with us and spoken to us. There's not a single problem in your life that this Bible can't give you an answer for. It'll either deal with it in particular or in principle. Everything in the entire human experience is dealt with either in particular or in principle by this book that I hold in my hands. It's either dealt with in particular, being that God specifically prohibits it or gives guidance on it, I mean plainly there in the Word of God, or it deals with it in principle, meaning in some other way or in some other fashion God has dealt with something similar that gives us a rule to guide us and direct us in our life. There's not a single thing that this book cannot tell us. So I think we ought to depend upon God's Word. I think we ought to depend upon God's way. Meaning once we know what God's way is, we ought to depend upon it. We ought to do things God's way. I know you came tonight looking for something real deep, and I'm sorry to disappoint you. But the truth of the matter is, I think the simple things are what we struggle with. The things that we know and we understand we just don't like. And I'll be honest with you, there's things in the Bible that I find sometimes that I don't like, but they're still true. And if we really depend upon God and we really trust Him and we believe that He is trustworthy and capable of handling our life, then once we know how God would have us to live, we're going to live that way. And you say, preacher, you preach it as if you were someone perfect. No, not by any means. Did you know that an imperfect man can still preach a perfect book? Oh, I'm very imperfect. I promise you that. If you wonder, ask my wife. She'll give you a list. No, I'm very imperfect, but I do believe I have a perfect God and a perfect Bible. I believe that what He gives us is exactly what it ought to be and exactly what it needs to be. Not just what it ought to be, but what it needs to be. In other words, I don't just believe we still have the Word of God. I believe the Word of God still works. I believe if we apply it to our lives and our hearts and our relationships and our, and, and our children and our home, I believe it will still work. We ought to depend upon God's way. Then I think we ought to depend upon God's wisdom. Now you say, well, what's the difference, preacher, between God's way and God's wisdom? Well, there's some things that we have to go to the Lord about to get a little direction and clarity on. Now it deals with everything in principle or in particular, but sometimes we have to go to God in prayer to gain an understanding and to gain a, a particular grasp of what we ought to do in a matter. Now, if we really believe that he's smarter than us, then we're going to go to him. I chuckle because this is, uh, this is I, I didn't think this was going to be this hard this evening. I mean, it, 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 I don't know what you've done to make the Lord mad, amen? <laughs> no, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think it was going to be this hard this evening. This hurts me. 
Because I see my life and how, how it comes up short. How we go about living our lives and never, never seeking God about things. I mean, sometimes small things, but sometimes some big things too. I'd say we'd be shocked if we could roll back the footage of our life, the kind of big decisions we've made without prayer. And we wonder why we make a mess of things. It's no wonder. No wonder why we make a mess of things. If we don't get God's mind on it, we won't have the right answer. We've got to get God's wisdom. So there must be a dependence upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now I want you to notice this next phrase. It says, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now, you may say, well, preacher, he just said the same thing twice. No, there must be a dependence upon God. We must seek His wisdom. But then there must be a deference to the mind of God. We must surrender to His wisdom. In other words, I thought this was interesting. You know what that word lean not means? I mean, I'm not a real smart guy, but I, you know... Uh, that, that word lean not, when you find it in the Bible, you know how the first time that that word, that Hebrew word is used, it's used in Genesis 18. And you know how God gives it to us in Genesis 18? Uh, you remember God came by the tent door of Abraham. And Abraham goes out and meets the Lord and he says this, Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. In other words, the same words used when Abraham looks at God and says, Lord, I want you to rest yourself under this tree that the Lord uses in a prohibitive manner in Proverbs 3 when he says, lean not. In other words, do we rest in our own decisions? Do we trust ourselves before we trust God? You know, that's what it is when we make decisions without seeking the Lord. We're just resting in our own understanding. It's not that we're going about trying to undermine what God would have us to do. It's not that we've made up our mind to shake our fist at God and say, Lord, I know what you have for my life, but I'm not going to do it. The Lord says we need to be actively and deliberately seeking the wisdom of God and not reclining in our own wisdom. And that's what we do. You know, it's funny. For this book, (laughs) for this book to be absolutely immeasurable in its wisdom. It's amazing how quickly we think we've got it all figured out. I'm guilty of this. I'm a preacher, allegedly. And as a preacher, you know a lot of Scripture. You study the Scripture all the time. And did you know that sometimes my my flesh will have the gall to look through this book and say, well, I can't find anything to preach. Sometimes the flesh will say that. You know what the flesh is saying? The flesh is saying, all right, Toby, you know everything in there. You're good now. And then the Lord takes some old passage I've read a hundred thousand times and opens it up like the Ark of the Covenant for me. Or sometimes takes some passage of Scripture that I've managed to ice skate over in my study a hundred times. And when I go to ice skate past it again, the Lord sticks his leg out and trips me right flat-faced on top of it and says, Stop for a moment and look at this. The truth of the matter is, sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. And that's evidenced by us reclining in our own wisdom. It's not that we say, Lord, I won't do what you want. It's that we never seek the Lord about what we're doing. These are real practical things. But do you ask the Lord? You know, I'm in a a house-buying mood. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that, but I'm... Being homeless will get you in a house-buying mood. 
and we're wanting to buy a house. That's a pretty big decision. Am I seeking God over that? Am I seeking the Lord? Am I asking for Him to reveal to me His wisdom and His direction in this matter? What about when we buy vehicles? I bought a vehicle just back of this. And I'll go to, you know, the Bible says to confess your faults. So it's, it's some fault confessing time. And I, what was that sound room? And I, I bought a vehicle and I, I went, uh, we drove to Kingsport to buy it. And uh, we, it's, it's a Subaru. And uh, we drove all, it was during all that bad weather. And I decided, I decided that uh, we needed a, a car that get around the snow. And so I said, we're going to go up here. I'm, I'm going to buy me something. I'm going to do it because I think it's a good idea. wonder how many good ideas we've <laughs> messed up our life with. And uh, so we drew, I got Dad to go with me. You know, the Bible says to send them out two by two, and you know why? Accountability. But he just helped me and enabled me. And uh, we drove all the way up to Kingsport, which is about, I don't know, 15 hours away or something. Felt like it. And we get up there to, to look at this Subaru, and, and it, was, it was 10 degrees outside. And that's not a joke. It really was. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not embellishing for effect. It was 10 degrees outside, spitting snow. And we get up to uh, Kingsport, and uh, we're waiting on this fellow to show up, and he's 30 minutes late, and he gets there. And, and Dad had to be back in town. He had an appointment he had to get to and, and keep, and we were in a hurry, and I don't know about you, but I mean, 10 degrees outside, I don't want to do anything outside. I mean, if I was going to ice skate, I'd want it to be warmer than 10 degrees outside. And, uh, you know, we got in a hurry, and I didn't want to get back home empty-handed. And I said, well, it looks good to me. And it did look good. Sitting right out, if you want to, you can go out and see it. Sitting right right out back there, it does. It looks pretty good. And uh, we bought it and got it home. And I drove it around for three or four days. And uh, notice it started to overheat a little bit. And so I said, well, I'll get my sound man to look at it. And so I sent it home with him. And uh, he got to looking at it. And he said, well, you got a blown head gasket and two blown CV axles and two bad wheel bearings. And $1,200 later, she runs. Amen. <laughs> you see, sometimes we think we know what's best. And uh, if you're not careful running around with people that don't follow the will of the Lord, you'll wind up with a car parked in your garage for two weeks straight while you're fixing it. See, the truth of the matter is, even those decisions, and it may be fairly inconsequential. I found this. God's so good in my life that oftentimes He's let me make bad decisions and guarded me from making really, really bad decisions. You know, sometimes He'll let me make a bad enough decision that I learn the lesson without it crippling me. And, but I would ask you this, are you following God? Are you seeking the Lord about everything in your life? Every decision that you make, are you seeking God about it? Are you praying before you buy that house? Are you praying before you buy that car? Are you praying before you get that job? Are you praying before you go this way or go that way? I understand that most people aren't going to pray before they decide which pair of shoes to wear. But I also understand this. I think if we'd pray, sometimes we'd get some direction on it. You see, what it really is, is a deference to the mind of God on whatever it is. And a refusal to rest in our own wisdom and our own understanding. A refusal to say, I'm going to trust myself with this situation, no matter how trustworthy I seem, because I believe God's more trustworthy than I am.
So we see a deference to the mind of God. We must surrender. But then I want you to notice this next phrase. This is interesting. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We see devotion in seeking God. In all thy ways acknowledge him. I began to look at that little word acknowledge. That's a familiar word to us in in society. We think of it all the time. I'd say we probably use it maybe once, twice a week even. But when you see that word in the Bible, did you know that it literally is the word to know? And most of the time in the Bible, it has the idea of knowing intimately. To know someone personally and sometimes in the confines and context of, of the marriage bed, to know intimately. In other words, to know something as best as you can know it. And it says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. In all thy ways. In other words, if we want the direction of God, we've got to make it our purpose and plan and priority to know God as well as we can possibly know him. You know what we have a bad habit of doing? We have a bad habit of not consulting God except when we feel like it's a real important decision. Now, I understand that. But often we use God like a GPS. He stays in the dash most of the time until we get lost. Then we pull Him out and plug Him in and say, Okay, Lord, now I'll listen to Your voice. Now I'll listen to Your voice. When the truth of the matter is, if we really want the will and mind of God, we need to every day in all of our ways be in conversation with an Almighty God. You know, most of us, if we went to pray and seek the will of God about something, we'd have to spend two, three hours just confessing before we'd ever ask Him about anything. We'd have to spend two or three hours just confessing some things and getting them out of the way. Let me say it again. We'd have to spend two, three hours... Just getting idols out of our life before we could ever really have fellowship with the Lord about something. Now, that's sorry. I'm that way sometimes. I'd say you are too. I'm that way sometimes. When I ought to be seeking the mind of God, I'm spending all my time saying, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. I knew that was wrong. I knew it was sin. I knew it was wicked. God, forgive me. I know it was wrong. We need to be in daily conversation with the Lord. We have the ability, we have the, the, the capability, and He has the availability. So what stops us from doing it? Well, you remember I asked you at the beginning, do you trust God? Do you trust God? Not am I trusting God, but do you trust God? If you really trust God, you'll be in conversation with Him. There are certain people that uh, we also got some, some phones and I, I meant to tell you, we got numbers and we'll give them out at the end of the service, but we, we switched phones and I wanted to make sure I got my contacts switched over. There's some people that I had, to, I went through and, and you know, you, you go through and think, man, when did I get their phone number? But then there's certain people when I started to do it, I thought to myself, I've got to get their phone number because I talk to them too often. I talk to them too often to not have it. I've got to have their phone number. I'm in daily contact. You know why? Some of those people are people in ministry. They're, they're pastors that I look to. Some of them are, are some of you all that I talk to on a, on a regular basis and, and fellowship with and counsel with. And there's certain people that I knew that I had to be able to get a hold of because they helped me live my life. So here's the question. If we can't get a hold of God, could it be because we don't want His help in living our life? 
We're to seek Him to know Him. And then finally, I want you to notice the direction we'll receive. And this is in closing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. But it says, In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Now that you say, well, that's very simple, preacher. That simply means that everything's going to work out if I'll trust the Lord. Well, not exactly. It doesn't say everything's always going to work out. It doesn't say everything's always going to be easy or palatable to you. But again, I, I started to look up that word direct. And you know where I found it in the Old Testament? Every time, just about in the Old Testament, that it was laid out before us, it had this idea of pleasing God. In other words, if you'll seek the will of God, then you'll get the will of God. It may not always be pleasing to you, but the greatest thing we can aspire to in our lives is that our lives be pleasing to God. If we'll do these three things, if we'll have a dependence upon God, if we'll have a deference to His will when He speaks, we listen. And if we'll have a devotion to seeking Him, not just, not just going and, and, and ringing His bell and His doorbell when we've got a problem, but daily in conversation with the Lord, then our lives will be pleasing to Him. You know, it takes very little to please us. I understand some folks would say, well, it takes a lot. We want a new car, we want a new house, we want it. you know, but that's all really very little. Most of the things that please most Christians could burn up in one night. One night. It takes a lot more to please God. It takes a lot more to please God, a life lived in faithfulness and faith, a life of devotion to Him, an impact on those around us, families raised up for the glory of God, the church strengthened and fortified. Those are the kind of things that please God. Now, if the only thing you're interested in is a new home or a new car or a new job or a new toy, well, that may not take very much. But I fear sometimes we rejoice over the prayers that are really very piddly to God. And we dismiss the greater things in life we ought to be seeking. It's not wrong to rejoice over getting any of those things. But, man, let me tell you something. When you get victory in your life and you give your whole heart and life over to the Lord Jesus Christ... That's something to rejoice over. That's big. That's big for our children. And, and, and I, we ought to rejoice with our children. We ought not just fuss at them all the time. We ought to rejoice with them. But sometimes we get so excited if, if they get a, a new car, if they get a new job, or if they get this. Maybe they get good, good marks at school or get in some kind of association. That, that's little. That's small. When you see your young person seeking God, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. And God's able to do that in our lives. He's able to do that. When we see our young people marrying godly young people, raising godly young people, serving the Lord, active in ministry, finding the will of God for their life, that's big things. We ought to rejoice with them. That's a big thing. God can do that. Why, just a matter of a new car or a new house, they could play that lottery and get that, I suppose. <laughs> But it really takes God to make a real impact in someone's life. And He's able to do that. Not just make your life pleasing to you. That doesn't take much. But to make your life pleasing to Him.